we'll see what happens. If, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Nathan, and I serve as teaching pastor here at New Life. And of course, it's Infused Sunday. We're really excited. We're in the middle of a series on 1 Peter. It's my favorite way to teach is just walking verse by verse through the Bible. And it gives us the opportunity, instead of just kind of choosing different things that we want to you know, kind of strengthen our own ideas to kind of let the Bible speak for itself and see really how it speaks into our life. And so I, I'm so pumped about that. Um, this has been a, a great series. Ryan did a great job last week of just reminding us about the hope of salvation, really looking at the few verses before this in the present, in the future, and in the past. And it's been awesome. The basic big idea of the book of Peter is to encourage these non-Jewish believers that are scattered throughout Asia Minor. So this is a circular letter. It would have been read through all of this different part of the world, and it's really written in the context of great suffering. And you see that even in the verses that we've already read, and a little bit more today, and it's, it's a little confusing. There's a little debate on kind of who it's written to, because he's writing to these non-Jews that are called Gentiles, but he's writing to them as if they were Jews, using language to remind them as they're in exile, as they're refugees, they're running for their lives, that they can relate to the Abrahamic people, right? So just as Abraham was in exile, just as God's people were in exile, even after the Exodus, that they can relate to that. And so it's a really cool kind of marriage back to this idea of the Exodus. And we're going to see that as we jump into the text. But before we do that, I just want to pray, as always, and just invite Jesus to help us to understand the scripture and that he would help us to live differently. Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have to be a part of what you're doing in our city. Thank you for the mission of this fellowship is to help people know Jesus better. And I just ask you today, God, that you would quiet the noise of our lives and that you would help us not to read into the text what we want to hear, but that it would actually read into our lives. God, that there would be no exceptions. God, that every person in this room would walk away with an opportunity to know you more and to be holy as you're holy, God. Show us what that means. God, show us why you want us to be holy, what it means, and how we can model that as we follow Jesus, setting an example for others. And before we transition, would you just pray for yourself right now? Just say, Jesus, help me to hear you. And maybe, maybe you haven't prayed in a long time, but this is a great opportunity. Say, God, if you're real, I, I want to hear your voice today. Show me that you know who I am, where I'm at. And if you're a believer, just say, God, teach me to be more like you. And lastly, would you just pray, say a quick prayer for me that I would share his words and not my own. Jesus, I give you all of these thoughts. I pray, Lord, may your kingdom come, your will be done today. In Jesus' name, amen. My wife Tiffany and I were just kind of recapping this message. We've been praying about it for quite a while, and we were looking for good examples of imitation. You know the verse, kids, for the day, the memory verse? What is it? Be holy as I am holy. So we're called to imitate God. So we're like, man, this happens in our family all the time. We have three kiddos, 11, pray for me, because one of them is transitioning to be with you know, the other Ryan, so we need a lot of prayer. Uh, and then I have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old, and all of them go around imitating each other. So I'm like, babe, help me think of an illustration that's really funny that would kind of drive this point home of how we're wired to imitate. And so we're sitting there at the dining room table, and we're talking, and we're like, well, there's that one story where, you know, Caius is potty training, and well, that's probably not church appropriate, where he tried to imitate his brother and sister and tried to clean himself all the way, all the way, all the way. That's probably not a good one. And I thought about how our kids were learning to floss. Some of you kids know how to floss. And my two bigger kids are pretty awesome at it, but Caius, in his attempt 
to be just like his big brother and sister. He may have thrust his hips in the wrong direction. Uh, so I will not demonstrate that today. That was pretty funny. But literally, as we're, some of you will figure that out later. So as, as we're sitting there talking about what are some examples of how our kids imitate each other, I kid you not, Caius, literally in the middle of that talk, he walks to the top of the stairs and yells across the house, Mom, can I play Minecraft? <laughs> so Minecraft is kind of a big deal at our house, and don't you dare correct him because I think it's adorable that he calls it Minecraft. And we just burst out into, la- you know, just laughing, and he knew it was funny, so about two or three minutes, he just keeps yelling, Minecraft! And we would laugh, and he would yell again, Minecraft! And I, I know that, you know, Caius is constantly imitating his big brother and his big sister, and, and you know, his imitation obviously wasn't that holy, but it was funny. But it does highlight for us, like, that we were wired to imitate, right? This is how we're, we learn, right? If any of you have been around little babies, you know, and you're just as they're first learning to smile and interact, and even, honestly, as adults, we're so influenced by the people that we surround our lives with, and that's really the big idea of this passage is that God has called us to imitate him because we are image bearers of God. So we're going to look at these three questions today. Why does God want us to be holy? What does it mean to be holy? And how are we to do that? I think that's a good order to go in. So as we dig into this text, we're going to see a few fun things. Starting in verse 13, we have nine verses today. And we're just going to walk really quickly through them all. Verse 13 is really a hinge verse. That word, therefore, connects these two sections in 1 Peter. Remember, it's a letter written by this guy, Peter, who's kind of a lot like Steve. He's a loud mouth, you know, the puppet that just says things before he's thinking. And so, pup, you know, puppets are not the only ones that do that, right? I can relate to Peter. So Peter was with Jesus. He was a fisherman, and then he was called into ministry. So he goes alongside with Jesus, and he's with him through all of these things. And I think one of the interesting stories that came to my mind is in Matthew's gospel, where there are these kids, and they're trying to come to Jesus, and the disciples say, no, 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 no. Don't let the kids come near Jesus, because Jesus is too important for that, right? And Jesus loves kids. You know that, Eden? He loves kids so much. And so he said, don't stop the little kids from coming to me. In fact, Jesus even later says, if we cannot turn and become like one of these little children, that we cannot enter the kingdom of God. How many of you know that we can learn a lot from our kids if we'll listen? I've learned so much from my kids. I remember whenever Kaysen was just a, about three or four months old, and I was, he would not be consoled. He's a firstborn, so we're trying to figure everything out. And he's just crying and crying. And I'm just praying over him. And I said, God, will you please show him how much you love him? And the Lord just distinctly spoke to me and said, Nathan, he knows how much I love him. I'm trying to show you how much I love you. Isn't that powerful? My, my three or four month old son was teaching me the love of God. And there's so many more lessons that I've learned. And I think Peter has come a long way from the days when he was walking with Jesus and with the disciples trying to keep kids away from him. Now, decades and decades later, Uh, You know, he started off as a minister to the Jews, and now he's ministering to Gentiles. He's writing back on his life, and he uses this idea about obedient children in the text we're going to be in today. So this hinge verse connects us to that. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you all at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, in this section we're in today, there's nine verses. It begins and ends with this idea of hope. And we've talked about this in this series already, but I just want to remind you that the word hope does not mean wish. So it's not like, I hope I can go to Silver Dollar City, or I hope it's not 100 degrees in Springfield again, that it actually becomes fall. Hope actually, in the Bible, means assurance. So this is something that is based on the truth we know that Jesus has been raised from the dead. So the hope that Peter is talking about, that we're looking at here, 
is really this idea that we know it's going to happen. It's not just something that we wish for, but our hope is confident in Jesus. And the very first part of that verse where it's talking about preparing your minds, another translation just to gird up your minds, it's connected right back to Exodus 12 and the story of the Passover where the children of Israel are called to gird up their loins just in a way that you would, you, you would pull up your old robe so that you could run fast, so that you could eat in a hurry, and then you were called to go out. It's this kind of same idea as we would use, like, roll up your sleeves and get ready. And this is the same thing that he's connecting back to these Gentile believers, that they have been grafted in to this family with Jesus. As we move on, you'll see it even more. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, if we could go to the next verse, please. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written... You shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, this is, our, this is our memory verse, right? To be holy as God is holy. But why would God want us to be holy? And we, we really see it in this verse and throughout the Bible that God is not interested in just us pretending like we have everything together on the outside. Remember the Pharisee that we just heard about? And how he was praying about himself and how he did all the right rules and he followed everything. But on the inside... It wasn't rooted in the character of God. So one way to think about the idea of holiness is that holiness is a changing of our thinking and our behavior to really imitate the character of God. Holy basically means this. It means to be separate, to be unique, to be different, to be distinct. So the opposite of holy is actually profane or common or ordinary. Think about that. So the word holy actually means to be different to be set apart, to be called out. And is there anyone more holy than God? No, he's so unique. I mean, if you think about the scripture that talks about the angels surrounding the throne all the time and they're saying, holy, 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 think about that. If you were to just say the word holy one time, that's enough. It just means God is unique. There's no one like him. But they say unique, 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 right? He's set apart. He's so different and so wonderful. As Anita said, so pure, so full of love and no sin. The reason that God wants us to be holy, why does God want us to be holy? Is because we were created in his image. Do you know that? That every single person in this room and every human that you will ever meet, that they were created by God to carry his image, to be like him, and that that is actually the best way to live. Did you know that you are more like yourself? Kaysen, you're going to be more like the way that God created you to be when you're walking in the image of God, when you're being holy like him. You know, in the Greco-Roman society, as you look at the context of this verse, the way that you would achieve status in the time that Peter is writing across Asia Minor is is basically like assimilation. It's trying to have all of these, the status quo things, to be just like everyone else in society. It wasn't cool and a status symbol to stand out and be different. It was cool to be the same. And as I read about a little bit more about that context, I thought, man, that's so much like the culture we live in in America right, where it's all about trying to be like our friends, and we have constant media messages telling us, you know, to conform and to be like everyone else, and this tolerance message and all of these things, but Christianity is not really about assimilation or about trying to conform. It's about being transformed from the inside out. So this is such a counter-cultural message. It's so different than what the status quo was at this time or what would bring status to these people is that Peter is reminding them that just like God is different, that we're called to be different. So that's why God wants us to be holy, because he wants us to be like him, and that's the best way to live. And what holiness is means to be called out, separate, 
and unique and to be like God. Let's keep going in the text. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. I'll just pause there to just point out a couple of things that are unique in this text. Whenever the Bible says, as it is written, be holy for I am holy, there are four times in Leviticus that that phrase is used, but the exact replication is from Leviticus 19. So it's really interesting that Peter would choose to write to a non-Jewish audience about this idea right from the middle of Leviticus. And, and the one he's quoting is from Leviticus 19.2. And the very next verse, verse 3, it says, revere your mom and dad. It says, listen to your parents. And so it seems that Peter understands this because, again, there's the same connection here. If you call on him as father, and it, it just kind of made me laugh as I was reading about how one of the distinct ways to know if someone was your dad in Greco-Roman society, your father was obedience. And I just laughed, said, man, times have changed. <laughs> like just how, how uh, children would have been known to just obey every word of their father, that this was a big cultural distinctive. And Peter does this brilliant thing where he connects back to the spirit of the heart of the law without calling them to think about all of the, all these other crazy things that are around it, that God set up for the people to be unique, that they could be holy in their own culture and in their own time. And he gives us a few ways that we do that. One of them earlier in the text was, you know, through being sober-minded, this idea of self-control, which is so much harder than it sounds, right? I mean, having self-control, we need God's help with that. And he says, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Did you know there's a good kind of fear, kids? Like, we're actually supposed to fear God, but not that we would ever, not that we have to be scared of him, right? Because God isn't waiting to get us you know, he is always with us. He's everywhere, but he's not scary like that. But there's a way the Bible talks about fear that means reverence and awe, right? Because God is impartial. If you look at the message version of this translation, it says he's a good father, but he's also a responsible father. So think about this. Maybe sometimes your mom and dad, they ask you to do something. You don't want to do it. Could it be that zebra cakes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner just might not be good for you, right? nonstop Minecraft or whatever game you want to play. Perhaps your parents are saying that you should do this thing, not just because they don't want you to have fun, but maybe because they want what's best for you. And if that's true for earthly parents, how much more is that true for God, who actually is the perfect definition of love, the perfect definition of holiness and uniqueness, that he actually wants us to know the best way to live. So as, as you read on, it says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So again, for the third time in just a few verses, you see a connection right back to the story of the Exodus. Remember in the Passover, whenever they would put this lamb on the door that would cause the passing over. And this is a connection to show that Jesus is our Passover, that he hasn't just temporarily paid for the sins or cover them up, but he actually comes to take them away forever. And there's a little wordplay happening in the original language between the word silver and the word blood. And it's, it's basically this idea of manumission, which is in, in this time in, in Greco-Roman society, whenever a slave wanted to purchase their freedom, the money to purchase their freedom often would be given to the temple of a god or goddess. So they go to the temple, the money would be paid, and then out of the temporal treasury, they would pay the slave owner, minus a commission, and then they would be said to be free, but they belong to the god or goddess. So this is just kind of something that happened common in that day. So Peter, no doubt, has this in mind as he's writing 
to this audience. And if you think about that, it makes so much sense because God has set us free and that we're no longer, we're not slaves to sin, but we are these bondservants of Christ, right? That he has purchased us. And that word silver is, is a really close play on words to the word blood in the original text that he's writing in. So that's just the, one of the connections in this. I love it so much. Let's look at the last couple of verses. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So again, it just kind of wraps this whole passage back up to this idea of hope, this assurance that we have. It's not based strictly on what we're trying to do on the outside and pretending that everything's okay, but far more rooted in God's far more interested in what's happening on the inside. Does that make sense? So why does God want us to be holy? Because he is, and we're created in his image. And that's the best way to live. What does it mean to be holy? Being holy is to be different, right? So think about what that looks like in your life. When you're in the classroom, when you're in the boardroom, whenever you're around the dinner table, when you're by yourself and no one's around, and you're tempted to just follow the pattern of the world or even of your old self. You see, holiness is not just negating what's around you in the world. Holiness is actually a turning away from the way that you used to be and a turning toward an imitation of God and his character, not just on the outside, but in the way that we think. And that's not possible without a new heart, right? Without having the Holy Spirit to help us. So instead of trying to conform to this external reality of all these rules, right? And that's exactly what Peter is pointing out to these believers. He pulls this text, and if we had time, we'd talk about it more, that it's not just about the rules and regulations on the outside and trying to conform to something that we could never do perfectly, but it's actually all about being transformed on the inside, right? So that out of this place of understanding who God's made us to be, as the puppet said, then the outside gets transformed. And that is not an excuse, right, to do whatever we want, of course. The Bible talks a lot about that. Our lives need to look different. And how do we do that? This verse really tells us that from the beginning of time that God had a plan, not only to ask us to be holy and show us what that looks like from a distant place, but that he actually gave up his one and only son, right? So my firstborn is named Cason. Can you imagine? He gave up his Cason to come and to grow up with wisdom and stature with God and men and to set an example so that we would know how to follow him. So if you want to know what it looks like to be holy, study Jesus. Look at his life. Model what you see there and you will do a great job. So I'm going to invite a few friends of mine to come up with Miss Tiffany. If you're a part of these New Life kids that I've asked to come help us at the end, why don't you guys come on up? We're just going to have a couple of questions. Aiden, I think you're here as well. Come on up, dude. And uh, we're just going to have a quick conversation about what it means to be holy. Say hello. What's your name? Chrislyn. And who's your favorite parent? <laughs> don't answer that. Have a seat. Uh, who's your dad? This one's mine right here. What's your name, young man? Ezra. Ezra. Good Bible name. I love it. Ezra. And you have a little sister here? Eden. Eden and? Layden. All right. Go ahead, Tiff. All right. How many of you have a little brother or sister or a little cousin that you like to play with? What do you notice that your little cousin or little brother or sister like to do when they watch you? Do what we do. They like to do what you do. Chrislyn, what do you think? 
they tried to copy me like this one time. It, it actually happened this morning. I got on the bar to watch, try and see my dad cooking something, what my dad was cooking, and then Kaya said, I want to get on the bar. They try to copy what you do? They do that. Why do you think they do that? Because they have to learn how to be, how to survive and be more intelligent. That's so true. They learn by watching. Well, Tiff, what does that have to do with being holy? Okay, so the Bible, our memory verse says, be holy like I am holy. So God is asking us to be like him. And your little siblings or your little cousins, they learn by watching you. They copy what you're doing. But could they copy what you're doing if they couldn't see you or didn't know you? No. So in the same way, we cannot learn to be holy like God is holy unless we know who God is, unless we know God. So what are some of the ways we know God? Um, reading the Bible and praying and listening to what he says when you pray. That's really good. Any other ideas? Any other ideas? How about Any this? Can you think? Yeah. Eden? Being baptized. Whoa, okay. That is following the what example is some, God said. What is something that God has done for, for you, Zayden? To show you how to be holy and how much he loves you. Any thoughts? Chris, how about you? Can you sit down? What's something God has done for us? Um, he's gave his life. That's a big deal. So what, what are we supposed to do to be like that? Satan, how can we follow that? By praying. By praying. Reading the Bible. Sure. Those things are good. Any other thoughts? Accepting him as God. Yeah, accepting him as God. That's really good. Does anybody remember our memory verse? Satan, you think you got it? Okay. Uh-oh, he needs some help. He needs some help? Whoa. Is that Steve? What was that? You forgot the first part. As it is. And is it written? Right. Yeah, very good, Satan. Good job. A question for okay, me. Okay, Zayden has a question for him. Go ahead, bud. Can you say the memory verse backwards? Can Whoa. I say it backwards? Let's find out. Holy am I because holy be written is it. Whoa, give it it's up. pretty good Steve, when it's up on job. that screen. <laughs> Anybody else have a question for Steve? Can you say the words backwards? Go ahead, Chris. No. Dot, dot. Okay. Dot, Any, do you have a question for Steve? How many stairs do you have? Good question. How many what? Stairs. Stairs? A lot. He's counting. He's losing count. Okay. One, two, three, four, five. Chris, do you have one more question for him? Um. Wow, that was beautiful. How about... Do you... <laughs> Are we starting a song? Yeah. Do you have any ideas that would help us remember this verse, Steve? Yes. I always remember holy... Because I'm a holy puppet. You are? Yes, I've got a hole about the size of a human hand. Wow. <laughs> wow. On that note, give it up for Steve and these wonderful Bye. kids. Amazing job. So fun. Uh, as the band is coming, uh, we're going to pray and close this morning. Thank you for watching our services. If you have questions or you would like more information, you can visit us online at nlspringfield.com. 
www.sundaymorningservices.com. We'd also love to have you join us at one of our Sunday morning services. We have programs at 9.30 and 11 for adults, students, and kids. We hope to see you there.